Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. How do we get to heaven? We get there by repentance and by walking with Jesus forever. In this episode, Pastor Andrew looks at heaven and leads us to a better understanding of its reality. So is heaven a place? Our discussion started some weeks back when we addressed John Lennon's song called Imagine. He sings, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us, only sky. Now he was proposing a world with a deep inclusiveness between people that he had gleaned from his trip into pantheism. This utopian dream begins with dispensing of the traditional picture of heaven and hell, being replaced with a long-standing religious belief that doesn't deliver what it claims and does not produce the utopia that Lenin was proclaiming. Obviously, scientific research has eliminated the skies above and the earth below as places for heaven and hell. But we need to understand that the biblical writers were never ignorant of the state of the world or the universe above us. They used imagery that included the sky in their descriptions It was because some of the events that they were witnessing had the voice of God speaking from the clouds and Jesus ascending up into the clouds. Where he went after entering the clouds is a mystery of what heaven is all about. Also, we have Elisha crying out, I see you, I see you, as his mentoring prophet Elijah was being carried up into the sky in a fiery chariot. But the question we are being challenged with is whether there is a place called heaven at all. That is certainly what Lenin is questioning through pantheism, where he was deriving his new concepts. It also seems to be where Bishop N.T. Wright is questioning. N.T. Wright wrote a book on the day revolution began. And in it he constantly declares that the New Testament writers do not proclaim that Jesus' death on the cross was to save men and women and children so they could go to heaven and thus escape hell. In reference to the New Testament writers, he writes... Almost nobody talks about going to heaven. In his vilification of this concept, he sometimes comes across with the sense, well, tough luck, everyone. 
you're going to be disappointed with what you're expecting when you die. Now, part of me thinks he might not intend that. But he is pretty scathing about it on a number of levels. He knows that when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he doesn't mean a place called heaven, but the rule of heaven, that is God's reign coming to birth on earth. Absolutely, I agree. When Jesus refers to the kingdom of heaven, is not describing a place called heaven, since that kingdom just invaded earth in a new way. The term kingdom of heaven is only used in Matthew's gospel in place of Mark and Luke's use of the kingdom of God. We have noted that before, that the difference for this relates to their different audiences, either Jewish or Gentile and how they would interpret the term heaven. Now, we also need to note, and I'm going to be a little bit technical every now and again, and I think that's going to be really important, as you will see. We also need to note that Matthew's use of heaven is more than the other three Gospels combined. 76 times compared to 66. However... The kingdom of heaven only occurs 33 times in those 76 references he uses in his gospel. In his first sermon, Jesus declares, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So the kingdom of God or heaven is certainly not limited to a place whether that inaugurated the reign of God on earth at that point in time, as Wright claims, is not clear. But it certainly inaugurated the presence of God on earth, a presence that had been absent for 400 years since the time of the prophet Malachi. Imagine growing up in a religious community and culture that said it believed in a creator God, but had not heard from that God as a community for over 400 years. So the last thing that you're expecting when you go down the street to get an ice cream or a loaf of bread is to all of a sudden walk smack into the kingdom of God. God who seems to have been so aloof for so long is right here, right now. That is what Jesus proclaimed. And those who finally stopped and listened to him knew it. You couldn't get away from it. This is reflected in their astonishment at his miracles and ability to deal effectively with the demonic spirits who oppressed people they knew. But the profound nature of God's presence is further reflected in this statement that he spoke with authority not like their scribes. So Matthew only uses kingdom of heaven 33 times. So what does he have Jesus referring to 
and the other 43 times. Guess what? It varies. Firstly, there are times when Jesus is referring to the actual sky and the immediate universe above us. As I already noted, it occurs when God speaks through the clouds about Jesus, at Jesus' baptism, that heaven and earth will disappear before the smallest element of the law. Stars and the sky will fall, and then you have the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven, and then you have the gathering of the elect from the end of heaven to the next. However, the most important of these that should give us pause to think is when Jesus is doing the miracle of the loaves and fishes and as he prays, he looks up into heaven. Isn't that confusing? Perhaps heaven is up after all. And yet it's a natural thing for us to do. When we think, okay, let's pray, where do you pray? You don't look down, you look up. Now, what if Lennon and Wright are right? Obviously for different reasons. Say there is no place that we have called heaven. Where does God reside? Well, that is easy because if we have an understanding that God is not limited to time and space, He does not need anywhere to reside. That is what he told David in the Old Testament about the temple. So if heaven is there, it is not to accommodate God. Because everything we know in space and time has been created by God out of nothing. Do you know what struck me? as I was reading this stuff? Where are the angels living? What about the other heavenly entities that the Bible refers to? Where are they hanging out? Those are interesting questions, but note this. In all his statements about heaven, Jesus refers to God the Father in heaven more than any other other out of the 43 references Jesus refers to God in heaven 10 times and then the other prolific use of heaven that Jesus makes is when he refers to God as our heavenly father so in the teaching of Jesus heaven seems to be a real place, and in some way or other, God is there because God is in heaven. Now, just to give Wright some credence, he hasn't deserted our afterlife altogether. Although he notes that Jesus' kingdom does not consist in people going to heaven when they die, we do get to hang out in a place called paradise as an interim state, for for right, paradise is a place, I think, a blissful garden of refreshment before our final destination, which is the resurrection. 
Whereas the Bible uses the word heaven 622 times, the term paradise is only used three times. And all of those times are in the New Testament. These include Jesus on the cross with the two robbers, Paul's visit to the third heaven, which he refers to as paradise, and the book of Revelation where it notes that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is in God's paradise. Matthew also refers to heaven as a place where the angels reside. It is also the place of God's throne. What we bind on earth is bound in heaven and God's will is done in heaven. We're also called to store up our treasure in heaven, not on earth, and we will be rewarded in heaven. And Jesus says in Matthew 28 that he has authority in heaven and earth. This means that there's stuff going on in heaven. But did you note that Paul refers to the third heaven which he visited as paradise. He writes, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. Now, just to note, the only two people who have been to heaven who are alive in our discussion was Jesus and Paul. So I think they might actually know something about this paradise. If Paul is right in linking the third heaven and paradise, when Jesus said to the robber on the cross, this day you will be with me in paradise, it meant that they were going to heaven together. Not at some future date, after interim existence, until the resurrection, but there and then. So if heaven's not there to accommodate God, then maybe it's really there to accommodate us. It seems that the book of Revelation indicates an incredible level of activity going on in heaven that includes more than God and the angels. Whatever Jesus was saying about heaven, it's certainly there. Being a Christian is certainly not just about going to heaven. And in this point, Wright has got a point. The Christian life is not just hanging around till we get to heaven. In fact, it's about taking on an incredibly new life altogether. In our song we just sung, we talked about looking into the eyes of Jesus and there seeing love. That's what Jesus was on about. He inaugurated a new understanding of life and relationship. 
that not only revolved around love for those who love us, but love that revolves around our enemies. And it looked at how to use nonviolence to break down the use of force. As Christians, we are called to walk a certain road that Jesus has walked before us. But it's a road that we can only walk through our relationship with Jesus. It is only in his strength and his power and his life in us that we can do that in any way that is really and truly eternally If we are not transformed as Christians into the elements that we see in Jesus because now he's in us, then heaven's going to be a very uncomfortable place to be. You don't just get there because you want to get there. You don't just get there because you want to escape death. You don't just get there because you're terrified of what might happen after death. No, you get there by coming in repentance to God, forsaking the past, forsaking the way that you've lived, and inviting Jesus Christ into your life and walking with him forever. And because you're walking with him, you want to walk with him forever. You want to be there in the presence of God. And what God has done in Jesus on the cross is deal with our sins to such a deep level that effectively they no longer exist, that the past has been wiped clean, that we can with confidence stand in the presence of God through the blood of Jesus and enjoy God and enjoy his presence. And that can only result in an eternal relationship in which we enjoy him in heaven. Where we put off this mortal body that we've had, and as Paul tells us, God gives us our heavenly body. So we're not just ghosts walking around in life, but God has given us a new body to enjoy a new place in which he is taking us because we have believed and followed his son. Let's pray. And as we pray, if you haven't known Jesus in your life, or you know you haven't quite got it right at the moment with him, as I pray, just give your heart to Jesus. Invite him in. Allow him to be the center of your life. Allow him to bring his life into your life. Jesus, we come to you now. We thank you that there on the cross you died for us. And you died in such a way that you breached death for us. You breached the sins that we do. You breached the penalty for those sins. And you bring a forgiveness into our life that wipes sin away forever. We invite you afresh into our hearts and our minds. We submit to your lordship in our life. 
And we ask that we might enjoy you and the presence of God the Father forever and ever. In your precious name, Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au